Good morning. Breaking news. New chaos in Kabul. Overnight warnings of a potential terror attack bring emergency evacuations to a halt. Americans now ordered to leave the airport immediately. So, what does this all mean for the frantic race to get them out before the deadline now, just five days away? We're live with the very latest. Overwhelmed. Hospitals pushed to the brink by the COVID surge and the unvaccinated. People are fighting for their lives, and it could have been prevented. More than 615,000 new cases in the U.S. this week alone. A record day for infections, hospitalizations, and deaths in Florida. Inside the battle raging on the front lines as major companies across the country push employees to get the vaccine or face the consequences. No relief. Brutally high temperatures, shattering records, and expanding. Now nearly 70 million people coast to coast set to swelter again today. So, when can we expect a break? Al's got your full forecast. One step closer, a victory for convicted killer Scott Peterson in his quest for a new trial. What the judge is saying about the high-profile case. Those stories, plus taking a hike. The summer surge causing major problems all along the Appalachian Trail. It's getting loved to death. And oh baby, the intense reaction to that new lawsuit over one of the most iconic album covers ever. Why some say 30 years later, Nirvana's Nevermind Infant is still chasing the cash. Today, Thursday, August 26, 2021. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Cutby from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. And welcome to Today on this Thursday morning. Thank you so much for starting your day off with us. Savannah and Hoda have the morning off. Good morning to you. There is a lot to cover in hot spots here and around the world today. In fact, take a look at this. Much of the country coping with another day of extreme temperatures. Record-setting highs are expected in parts of the Northeast later today. Mr. Roker standing by with that full forecast straight ahead. Meantime, in Florida, a grim milestone. The state breaking its single-day record for COVID cases. It comes as more companies, including one airline, put more pressure on workers to get vaccinated. We'll get more on both from Carrie Sanders, who's in hard-hit Florida. But we are going to start once again in Afghanistan this morning, where the State Department says 1,500 Americans remain stranded. This as that new security threat overnight adds to the chaos and crisis at the Kabul airport. We have two reports this morning, starting with NBC's Kelly O'Donnell. She is live at the White House. Kelly O, good morning to you. Good morning, Craig. A significant development happening now. Officials tell me that President Biden has just been briefed on an explosion at Kabul airport near one of the key gates. Officials here have been huddling in the West Wing. Word came to us from the Pentagon with a tweet that confirms this blast, saying there are no reports on injuries yet. This comes as the U.S. was warning Americans to stay clear of the airport gates out of fear for this kind of presumed terror attack. This morning, the Kabul airport a target with new credible threats of a feared terror attack. Americans still there and Afghan civilians warned to leave the evacuation point. U.S. officials urge those waiting at the airport gates to clear the area. With this message, be aware of surroundings at all times, especially in large crowds. 
But it's unclear where those desperate to be evacuated can go. With the Taliban in control of checkpoints, and many of the crowds remain gathered at the airport. Vice President Harris traveling in Vietnam today says despite threats, the operation is focused. Our highest priority right now is evacuating American citizens, evacuating Afghans who worked with us and Afghans who are at risk with a priority around women and children. The risk of an attack is part of the pressure for the Biden administration to keep its August 31st deadline to withdraw troops and complete the airlift. After more than a week of evacuation, Secretary of State Antony Blinken finally made public the number of Americans at risk. 4,500 already evacuated, officials in contact with another 500 Americans waiting to leave, but officials are looking for as many as 1,000 others who could be U.S. citizens. For the remaining roughly 1,000 contacts that we had who may be Americans seeking to leave Afghanistan, we're aggressively reaching out to them multiple times a day. The U.S. is relying on Taliban cooperation to get Americans and Afghan allies out of the country, with time shrinking before the Tuesday deadline. Again, a breaking development. There has been an explosion at Kabul airport. These are live images from our cameras in Kabul. No reports on injuries at this time. We will have more as things develop. Craig? From the White House this morning, Kelly, thank you. Meantime, we're getting a closer look at what those evacuees are facing on their journey out of Afghanistan. We're also hearing from a top Taliban leader. NBC's chief foreign correspondent, Richard Ingalls, spoke to him in a television exclusive. Richard is in Doha for us. Richard, good morning. Good morning. We've just arrived in Doha, Qatar, from Kabul. This country is one of the main transit hubs. In fact, Qatar has helped evacuate about 40,000 Afghans. And now in Kabul, the race is on. There are only a few days left. At Kabul airport this morning, these may be among the last Afghans getting out. The United States and partners from around the world are scrambling to take out thousands more Afghans by Tuesday. But soon the foreign troops will have to be evacuating themselves too. So the window is closing for Afghans to get on flights. And not everyone will make it. Last night, I spoke to Zabiullah Mujahid, the Taliban spokesman and a senior official. He arrived with an armed entourage. He's been doing interviews by phone in hiding for years. This is one of his first ever one-on-one, -on -one, face-to-face -face interviews. The United States is evacuating and it is taking out Americans who worked with U.S. forces, but not everyone is going to be able to make it out. Will you let those people leave in the future? Can you guarantee their safety? We don't want our countrymen to go to America. Whatever they have done in the past, we have given them amnesty. We need young, educated professionals for our nation. But if they want to leave, it's their choice. What would you say to women, Afghan women, who are terrified? They are our sisters. We must show them respect. They should not be frightened. The Taliban are humans and from this country. They have fought for their country. Women should be proud of us, not scared. There are already reports of Taliban fighters taking young women, unmarried women, as brides, forced brides. There have been reports of people going into homes. This is propaganda from the old regime. We have no evidence of a single case. This war started when Osama bin Laden, as a guest of the Taliban, organized 9-11 attacks. Can you guarantee that this country will never again be a base 
for terrorism. When Osama bin Laden became an issue for the Americans, he was in Afghanistan. Although there was no proof he was involved, now we have given promises that Afghan soil won't be used against anyone. You still don't think that Osama bin Laden carried out 9-11? There is no evidence. Even after 20 years of war, we have no proof he was involved. So it sounds like, even now, after all of this, you're accepting no responsibility. There was no justification for this war. It was excuse for war. How are you feeling right now, after 20 years, and the Americans are leaving. The withdrawal is almost finished. These are our happiest moments. After the interview, we made our way to the airport. Inside the airport, the evacuations are moving along, but the mood is somber. These are Afghans who don't take the Taliban at their word, escaping while they still can. Getting out of Kabul is only the first step in this process. Then they come to countries like Qatar or Germany where they are processed. That can be extremely lengthy. State Department officials here say they are seeing many, many people arrive, not a lot of correct documentation. Solid. Richard, thank you. Turning now to the battle against the COVID surge, new infections continue to skyrocket in this country, nearly 170,000 Wednesday alone. And now, bolstered by the full approval of Pfizer's shot, major corporations are applying new pressure on employees to get vaccinated. Among the latest... Delta Airlines, NBC's Kerry Sanders, is in Florida where hospitalizations and deaths are higher now than at any other point in this pandemic. Kerry, good morning. Well, Craig, not only has the hospitalization rate tripled here in Florida in the last month, one in five deaths in hospitals here with COVID is happening right here in Florida. It's one reason private industry is now trying to get people to get vaccinated. In fact, Delta Airlines now trying to entice its 74,000 employees to get vaccinated. And if they don't, those unvaccinated employees will get hit right in their wallets. With coronavirus cases surging this morning, Delta Airlines is the latest corporation put pressure on its employees to get vaccinated. Delta CEO Ed Bastian in a memo Wednesday announcing unvaccinated employees will face strict new requirements, including weekly COVID testing. And the unvaccinated will also get hit with a $200 monthly health care surcharge, the fee to cover the estimated $50,000 cost per patient for COVID hospitalization. Bastian writing, it's necessary to address the financial risk the decision to not vaccinate is creating for our company. Is what Delta is doing with this pandemic much the way companies say if you're a smoker, you're going to have to pay an additional monthly fee for your health insurance at our company? That's a great comparison. As smokers have in the past been charged more, now some companies are charging unvaccinated more because they're imposing costs. A welcome private industry decision for some airline passengers in Miami. I feel a lot more safer. Other passengers fear what it could mean beyond Delta Airlines. It sets a really terrible precedent for what the future holds. Still, Delta is stopping short of imposing a vaccine mandate, unlike some of its competitors. United Airlines requiring its U.S. employees to be vaccinated by September 27th and Frontier Airlines by October 1st. 
CVS Health, Deloitte, and Disney joining a long list of corporations adding or expanding vaccine requirements. The FDA's full approval of the Pfizer vaccine on Monday prompting a growing number of unvaccinated Americans to get their shots. I thought other people are coming out just fine with the vaccine. So, Carrie, you mentioned the record number of hospitalizations in Florida. What's troubling is we're also starting to see that trend nationwide now. What's the latest on that? Yeah, Craig, uh, nationwide, we're seeing about 100,000 COVID patients in hospitals. It's especially concerning to the hospitals that are running in their ICUs at about 80%. And all of this is coming at a time where we're now seeing the highest levels of children with COVID, the highest levels since they began tracking those numbers, Craig? So many parts of the country, it appears, are moving backwards. Kerry Sanders for us there in Florida. Uh, by the way, in our next hour, we are going to shine a light on another COVID concern now. The alarming rise in pregnant women becoming seriously ill with the, with the virus. That's coming up again in our next hour. All right, but first we have a lot more to get to as we welcome in Tom Yannis. Good morning. Hey, guys, good morning to you. Yeah, the late summer heat is baking the country this week from coast to coast, and it's getting dangerous. We've already seen records fall in several states. And here in the Northeast, the brutal temps could peak today. Alice standing by with the forecast, but first, NBC's Kathy Park joins us from Coney Island in Brooklyn. Hey, Kathy. Hey, Tom, good morning to you. Well, the beach might be a great place to find some relief, but even Coney Island is under a heat advisory. Millions across the country will be sweating it out once again as this heat wave stretches into another day. This morning, more sweltering summer heat sweeping the nation. High temperatures blanketing the middle of the country and scorching both coasts. New York City set to be under an air quality alert later today, while Boston will be baking in the 90s. It's really hot outside. In the last 24 hours, record highs stretching from Florida to Maine. Some schools sending students home. The heat and COVID a bad combination. We want them to wear masks, uh, and it is uncomfortable when it's this hot. The only thing we have in the classroom are fans, and we can't use them. The Midwest, desperate for relief after days of stifling air and humidity. It's been a real thing, the heat, and we're, you know, we're, we're dealing with it. Detroit opening cooling centers to help residents stay safe. Officials urging people and pets to stay inside. Out west, wildfires still burning, with two new fires breaking out late Wednesday. The southwest is scorching, too, with some of the hottest temperatures in the country. Arizona could see highs close to 115 degrees today. From coast to coast, high heat is lasting later into the year, with climate change only intensifying. And this heat wave should be taken very seriously because historically heat is the number one cause of weather related deaths in the country. According to the CDC, approximately 600 people die every year due to extreme heat. Tom? Yeah, it is no joke. All right, Kathy, thank you. Guys, 115 in Arizona. Yeah. It's going to be hot here, too. Who, who asked for the AC outside? Is that the, who I mean, made the call for the fans? Here's the thing in Arizona it's a dry heat. Oh, so. yeah. But at 115, but at the, it's so bad. I was just about to say, at that point, no it's just heat. Let's bring right? in a guy who knows when all of this is going to end. Mr. Roker, what's the word? Well, guys, unfortunately, we don't see an end, at least for a good portion of the country. But from California to New England, we've got 69 million people under heat advisories or heat warnings. And for parts of the country, it's not going to break into the weekend. We're for today, look at this. Feels like triple digits. Tulsa, Kansas City, Cincinnati, Nashville, all the way down to Montgomery, Jackson, here in the New York. 
York, it's going to feel like almost 100 degrees. Tomorrow, that heat continues. So does the high humidity down across the Gulf, all the way into New York and back into the Midwest. We do see a break as a front pushes through. Cooler conditions into next week for Portland, New York. Buffalo still in the 80s. Seasonal temperatures, but still warm. So we're going to continue to keep an eye on that. Now, West, we still continue to see this wildfire season going crazy. 92 wildfires, large wildfires out there. 2.68 million acres burned so far. And because of climate change, as Kathy Park mentioned, we are seeing some more fires now starting to move further south. Because of the dryness, the heat, and the wind, on average, since the 1970s, we're seeing in central Oregon 14 days more of wildfire seasons. Central Nevada, 55 days, almost two months in southeastern California and southeast Colorado, 51 days more of fire danger warnings than they've had since the 1970s. So climate change still having a big impact, and we're not even done yet. That's your latest weather. Craig, I understand you are threatening to bring in a seersucker. I might try it on another one. Okay. You and then we could... Seersucker Friday? Uh, uh, maybe you could bring in one. We could do a little... Uh, let's do it. little barbershop yep. Chanel? Tom, I don't know. Are I think we in? have to... We'll stay... Yeah, well, you and I are going to stay a little... No. We'll stay class. I'll come see on. you tomorrow. We'll All see right. you tomorrow. Uh, yeah. When we come back on a Thursday morning, we're going to take a bit of a turn here. We're going to go inside convicted murderer Scott Peterson's return to court amid his push... For a new trial, Natalie Morales will have the latest on what a judge has now decided and more on the new evidence Peterson's sister-in-law claims will prove he did not kill his pregnant wife, Lacey. Then the pandemic problem now facing one of the country's most beloved spaces, an eye-opening look at the Appalachian Trail's explosion in popularity and the toll all of, about all of that added traffic. Sam Brock is there live. But first, this is Today on NBC. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash today. Just go to Indeed.com slash today right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash today. Conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We are back at 7.30 on this Thursday morning, the 26th of August, 2021, International Dog Day. Did you guys oh, know that? And a perfect yeah. day to head to the beach if you can with another round of scorching temperatures on tap for tens of millions. Al will have the latest on the heat and when we'll see some relief in just a bit. For a moment, I thought that man had a, a baby in, oh, in the field. Wasn't, I, thought that, I think that was a baby. Was it a baby? Yeah, it was and a baby. It's a dog. No, yeah. that was a dog. No, but he had a baby a like in the, in, in the carrier. No, he's got a dog in the carrier, too. Oh, oh, oh two dogs? No, you're right. Oh, yeah. It's good eyes. He's Listen, taking Dog Day seriously. It's International Dog Day. All right. There you go. Uh, good eyes. More right. on that in just a moment, but let's get you caught up on your 730 headlines. President Biden will be meeting with Israeli Prime Minister Naftali Bennett today for the first time since both leaders took office. Bennett promising a, quote, new era of cooperation with the United States. Still, 
Plenty of differences remain between the two sides. Bennett is hoping to convince President Biden to not rejoin the Iran nuclear deal after the U.S. renewed talks with the, that country earlier this year. The two men are also expected to talk about the pandemic, climate change, and economic matters. The House Committee investigating the January 6th Capitol riot is demanding a trove of records from federal intelligence and law enforcement agencies. The committee is seeking information about events leading up to the attack, including communications among former President Donald Trump's staffers and family members. The committee is also looking for information about planning and funding for rallies held in Washington. And coming up tonight on NBC Nightly News, a Lester Holt exclusive speaking with the U.S. Capitol Police officer responsible for shooting and killing protester Ashley Babbitt while defending the Capitol on January 6th. That officer will reveal his identity for the first time since the attack. And again, you can see that interview tonight on Nightly News and more tomorrow right here on Today. All right, if you didn't catch the end of the Dodgers-Padres game last night, you're not alone. That's because the game didn't end until 4 in the morning here on the East Coast, 1 a.m. out west. 1-2. On a camera's a ball. Deep center field. Forget about it. Gone. Two-run blast. Dodgers back in front. You saw it right there. A.J. Pollock hits the go-ahead two-run homer in the 16th inning. The Dodgers would hold on to win it 5-3. to three. The game lasted five hours and 49 minutes, which, as you might expect, is the longest game of the season so far. Longest game ever, oh. more than eight hours back in the 80s. Eight White hours. Sox against the Brewers. Yeah. Wow. Ooh. Yeah. All right. Uh, now to a follow-up on a story that we first brought you here on Wednesday. Some new developments in the Scott Peterson case. As you know, Peterson currently serving life in prison for the 2002 murder of his pregnant wife, Lacey, and their unborn child. But now, well, now it looks like Peterson's defense team is one step closer to winning him a new trial based on allegations of juror misconduct. Once again, for NBC's Natalie Morales up early in Los Angeles with the very latest on all of it. Natmo, good morning. Hey, good morning to you guys. Yes, at yesterday's hearing, the judge set a new date to hear arguments on that juror misconduct issue, a claim that the DA is vigorously fighting. Peterson's team maintains, though, his trial was flawed and the real killer, they say, is still out there. We spoke to Peterson's sister-in-law, Janie, who is leading the fight to free him, and she says new evidence will do just that. Nearly two decades after being convicted of murdering his wife and unborn child, Scott Peterson participated in a hearing Wednesday, this time by phone. Currently serving life in prison, Peterson said little, and no cameras or recordings were allowed. The judge setting a new hearing in September to discuss claims of juror misconduct in his case. We've said all along that Scott Peterson did not get a fair trial. If juror misconduct is found, Peterson could get a new trial, a major step in his fight to prove his innocence, a fight led by his sister-in-law and close confidant, Janie. You're one of the few people who has regularly spoken to Scott. What is his mental state of mind? I think that he's hopeful. Janie says she knew Scott and Lacey from the beginning, spending holidays together, even throwing Lacey a baby shower just weeks before she disappeared. How is Scott as a husband? The, I always saw Scott and Lacey as very attentive to each other. Did you ever see him fighting with her? No. Never saw any signs of abuse whatsoever? Not at all. But what about the day Peterson was arrested, found with a goatee and his hair dyed blonde after being pursued by police? 
Janie says he changed his appearance after being stalked by the media. And leading sure. police on a chase, I mean, okay. most people would say an innocent man doesn't run. Scott perceived he was being followed by media and he was trying to evade them. And the moment they put a siren on the roof of their car, he immediately pulled over. Much of the DA's case against Peterson was based on his affair with Amber Fry, who testified she had no idea he was married. Did you get the sense that Lacey knew about Scott's indiscretions, his infidelity? I know now that she uh, that Scott had been unfaithful before and that she was aware of it. Now, here in her war room, Janie tracks what the defense says is new evidence that contradicts the DA's case against Scott and presents new theories of who killed Lacey. This is what's public. Add to it the body of evidence that hasn't been disclosed. He will never be found guilty again. She says her quest for justice in this case will never stop. Justice would look like finding who took Lacey and Connor and Scott being released. So Natalie, what's the timeline for a potential new trial? Well, the judge seems willing to allow the juror misconduct claims to move forward. An evidentiary hearing on them could happen as soon as November, but more likely it's not going to happen until probably early next year. The defense still has to prove the juror in question, though, purposefully lied on her jury application with the intent of trying to get get it to get on that case in order to convict Peterson. Now if the judge rules that she feels that happened, Peterson will then automatically get a new trial. Chanel. All right, Natalie, thank you. All right, guys, up next, with so many people taking advantage of the great outdoors in the pandemic, the Appalachian Trail has never been more popular. And all that traffic, well, it's now become a serious problem for its beloved footpaths. Sam Brock hitting the trail for a first-hand look right after this. Join Hoda Kotb for a brand new season of her podcast, Making Space. For season five, I am making space to talk to people who are providing a sense of hope and inspiration when life changes course. Uplifting conversations with inspiring individuals like NFL legend Drew Brees, singer-songwriter Ziggy Marley, and today's show co-anchor Savannah Guthrie as you have never heard her before. I found faith more viscerally, not because the bad thing didn't happen, but because it did. I promise you, like me, will leave these conversations with some wisdom for your own journey, empowered and inspired to make space in your own life. New episodes of Making Space with Hoda Kotb are released every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. We are back with In-Depth Today. This morning, a surprising problem for one of the world's most iconic places to hike, the Appalachian Trail, now too popular. Yeah, it runs from Georgia to Maine, and it offers these breathtaking views. And during the pandemic, throngs of people are rushing to enjoy them. But not every visitor seems to abide by the motto, leave no trace, prompting worries about the future of thousands of miles of land. Our guy Sam Brock strapped on those hiking boots. He hit the Appalachian Trail in northern Georgia for us. Sam, good morning. Good morning, guys. You can't see it. I actually am wearing my Timberlands right here. I'll show you in a second. The great outdoors has never had greater appeal. I'm standing on a section of the Appalachian Trail right now. If you walk with me, we're near Woody Gap in Georgia. You'll see why so many people want to get outside during the pandemic. This is a vision of paradise. But a bump, guys, right now in day hikers and casual campers has started to wear down this natural wonder. 
plunged in the middle of perfect serenity. The Appalachian Trail's rolling hills and lush layers of foliage, you'll find a phenomenon. We're outdoor people anyway, but we're now yes. seeking out only outdoor activities. Parking lots full of people and a crush of visitors from Georgia. It used to be kind of my go-to spot, park up there, go hiking. Now, you know, half of Atlanta is parked up there. To Maine and the Mid-Atlantic. Chris Brunton and his team manage a 32-mile stretch from famed Harpers Ferry, West Virginia, south to Virginia. Trash pickup is a problem these days that we've that I have never seen in the 30 years that I've been working on this trail. I found sleeping bags, tents, tops, cooking gear, food in packets. It's a footprint that's widening, figuratively and literally, with some pathways doubling in size. This is where you hit the road. Exactly. And Maine, their ultimate destination is about 2,000 miles that way. Just a couple little jumps and a skip. <laughs> exactly, there. exactly. A few weeks. <laughs> um, all right, so you want to get out there? Let's the go. For perspective, we enlisted an expert. Don Converse and the Georgia Appalachian Trail Club have been caring for the state 78 miles for decades. This is, what, four feet or so in some places, highly eroded. He says it's not the few hundred people who hike the whole 2,000-mile stretch or through hikers that are eroding the land, but the countless casual daygoers. It's getting loved to death, just like the national parks are, and uh, thus the need for constant maintenance. It's difficult to sustain the pristine nature of it. A similar congestion crisis has already gripped the Grand Canyon and Arches National Park in Utah with nature serving as a refuge for those coping with COVID. Nature and and just the trail itself is, is really healing. Melissa Rand works in healthcare and is 1,300 miles into her journey alone, although she's hardly lacked for company. As a solo female hiker, it is kind of scary, but I've never been alone because there's so many people hiking the trail. Caleb Bess cultivated a whole following on social media from his own amazing Appalachian track. He had this to say about the explosion of fellow hikers. Make sure you follow the leave no trace guidelines. Just be a good human about it. All right, so that's the motto, Sam, but it's sort of a catch-22. We, we want people to go outside because of the pandemic. Kids are on the tablets. We want them to get out as well. What are the solutions being discussed to ease this issue of overcrowding? So, Tom, one of the issues here right now is that national parks across the country have started implementing reservation systems or capping the number of cars that you can have. The issue with the Appalachian Trail, it's not like there's one park or a couple of entrances. It's 2,100 miles long. So that is to say they might have to get a little bit creative here. I would also like to add there is a new record that just broke. Harvey Sutton is a five-year-old kid who ended up doing this entire 2,100-mile wow. trek in 209 days. And that happened as he has a new trail name, Little Man. Back to you guys. He's man. definitely the little man. That's pretty cool. Harvey. All right, Sam, thank you for that. Goodness. All right, time for another check of the weather. Mr. Roker. Hey, guys. And, you know, there are a lot of fantastic national parks in and around the country that aren't the big names that you can really... Like, true. for example, just a few miles from here, there's the Jamaica National Wildlife uh, Refuge. You you wouldn't even think you're in, in New York City. So think about some of the lesser-known parks. They're just as spectacular. Let's show you what we've got going on. Unfortunately, not as spectacular. The hurricane season, we've got three investigation areas. The one we're most concerned about is the one that is to the west 
to the Lesser Antilles. We're going to be watching this development zone over the next five days into the Gulf. But the Gulf of Mexico, the water temperature, 80 to 90 degrees, especially along the coast where the water temperature is in the upper 80s. And we're looking at this system possibly developing by late Sunday, early Monday. The American model, European model, both bring it onshore somewhere between New Orleans and Houston. And as you look at those global models, there's a there's a very good possibility we could see landfall with a significant system somewhere between Houston and New Orleans. We are going to be watching that over the next several days. The intensification, though, the rapid intensification, that's what we're most worried with. Heat and humidity throughout the central part of the country into the mid-Atlantic, northeast, severe storms in the northern plains, sunny and hot through the southwest, even into the Pacific Northwest. And that's your latest weather. Guys? Thank you, Al. Still ahead, a new COVID alarm being sounded from the front lines over a major spike in hospitalizations of pregnant women. So why are they so at risk? And what do they need to know about the vaccine? We'll answer your questions. But first, these messages. We are back. We are welcoming in Mr. Daly. So it's a big story coming up on Popstar. We're going to have it for you. It's one of the most recognizable album covers, of course, of all time. There it is. That's Nirvana's Nevermind, three times Diamond. Uh, the question is, why is that baby on the cover of the album suing the band now 30 years later? Perhaps some irony with the baby chasing that uh, that money. Right? Maybe not. People are talking about it, and we'll have the full story for it in Popstar. Popstar.